Ensemble number 32, entitled Omar Sharif, and modeled by Chief's Defense Man, Billy Charles Boy, who hails from, if I can read the card here, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. This isn't a powder puff convention. Keep in mind that Ladies. the perfect accessory for the man in your life Excuse me, is... Game Misconduct with Dory and CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hello. Don't forget to follow us on social media, actually Facebook and Twitter, really, at Game Miz with a Z Conduct. We still haven't figured out our Instagram password. Nope. Maybe by the end of the season we will have figured that out. But Pro- Probably not. Um, we're going to jump right in with our guest this week because he's probably my favorite of all time, maybe. Um, we are speaking with Dave Mishkin, play-by-play extraordinaire for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Dave, please remind everybody, not like they don't know already, but where they can find you uh, on the air and uh, any writings you may do online or your social media handles. Uh, well, first of all, thanks. You don't need to butter me up with flattery. I would have come on your show no. without it. It's but the I truth. Appreciate the kind word. Uh, the the Twitter handle is really original at Dave Mishkin, uh, and I link everything I write for the Lightning's website through that Twitter handle. But most people who know where to find me on Twitter are already well informed on the Lightning website. I think right. so. It's probably redundant. They're they're getting what I'm writing anyway. And that's basically all you're getting from me on Twitter. I'm not, you know, posting about what I ate for breakfast or anything <laughs> like that. So th- there are probably much more interesting people to follow, but that is how you can find me. And as far as our radio network, obviously, we're on Lighting Power Play, which is airing your show, among other things. And you can find us through the NHL app, but if you're going to go the old terrestrial radio route, uh, it's 970 WFLA in the Tampa area. Cool, which yeah. I listen to quite frequently. And also, um, also, Dave, I have to tell people that your Michigan's musings oh, are so, so good. good. So, Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah big you fan know, of those. I like writing, uh, and the Lightning, I think, do a, a nice job organizationally are trying to put people in positions where they can succeed. I think that's Mm -hmm. true on the ice, certainly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I went to Bill Wickett, who's, who's, you know, senior VP of communications. I don't know. It must've been eight, nine years ago now. And I'd always written a column, which is that musings column. It's kind of like when the spirit moved me, I would write, (laughs) but it was kind of intermittent. Yeah. And, I said, you know, what do you think about me kind of doing a view from the booth right after the game? And he said, go for it. And so I have the musings column, but as I said, probably about seven, eight years ago, I started writing uh, what we call Extra Shift, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a a recap of the game. But like Brian Burns does his own recap of the game. He's the team's beat writer, and he's he's more like a reporter. Right. (laughs) If you will, like he's he's kind of pulling out the significant elements in the game, which I guess I am too. But mine is much more kind of colored with opinion, yeah. Um, more of an op-ed, which I'm, which I'm I'm giving on the air anyway. Right. So I'm right. basically regurgitating what I've just said. Yeah. Uh, and and it probably takes me far less time to write than than Bernsey. You know, like we've compared notes. And, you know, he's got to get quotes and yeah. you know go down to the locker room and then like get get it recorded and then you know type out 
the quotes. I'm just basically stream of consciousness writing. Right. Um, but I enjoy it, and and you know, thanks thanks for the comments. So you know, I try and I try and share, I guess, if that's the right word, um, how I see the game, mm-hmm. and that's true with with the column as well. Which- I will say that you know, because I'm a student of the game, I'm always learning you know new things and how to look at the game and everything. So I'll always read them after a game to kind of. Um, after I watch a game to kind of, oh, I do remember that, or I remember seeing that, or I don't remember seeing that. So it kind of helps me see a full picture after I'm, because a game is so fast, you're like, oh, was that something I should be paying attention to? And a lot of times those are things that you write about. So I learn a lot from, from your from your column, for sure. Well, and certainly, you know, opinions are subjective. And not everybody sees the game exactly the same way. And what I feel might be important enough mm-hmm. for me to to bring up in a in a post game piece. Other people may disagree, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's kind of what I've what I've been tasked to do. Yeah. So I try and stay true to that, and I kind of find that, however, I'm I'm painting the picture. It's it's in the ballpark with what I'm hearing. From all the other sources, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's Cooper's post game or or Brian Burns's, you know, piece afterward, they were kind of hitting the same notes, right. even though we may be playing different instruments. If that's the right analogy, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, it kind of puts a nice little bow on everything, and it's kind of a required reading for us as we prep for our show. So, thank you for helping us prep for our show. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> and remember, Dave, it's your column, not theirs, so you can write about whatever you want to write. About. Um, Earlier on, very early on this season, we had on uh, Kaylee Chelios, um, who's had an expanded role over her time being here. um, And she had nothing but incredibly glowing things to say about being able to work with you. Um, Do you return the... Oh, stop. What what are your thoughts on uh, getting to work with Kaylee and kind of like maybe mentoring her a little bit, um, you know? Because she is just cutting her teeth on that part of the position, but I I, I love I love when you're with um, with uh, Esposito, but I also really enjoy uh, your 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 chemistry with Kaylee. Well, thanks. Uh, first of all, you know, having a second voice on the broadcast enhances the broadcast, and I'm really thankful to have had the opportunity to have somebody with me on the road because up until last year mm-hmm. it was solo mio for me on the road mm-hmm. and with kaylee being grounded now you know expecting her her first child her and danny are having a baby girl in yeah. april you know her doctor said well no more flying yeah. so <laughs> from here on out in the regular season anyway i'm back to calling the game alone which is you know i can do it but i think that you know invariably the stuff that i miss Right. right, like I'm on the puck. I'm I'm missing stuff away from the puck, mm-hmm. and having a second person in the booth really adds to to kind of fill out the picture yeah. uh, and 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 give it a more complete picture. Having said all of that, it has been a, a huge joy and pleasure to work with Kaylee. Uh, I think that, and I've I've answered this question about kind of you know well, what what is she bringing. To the broadcast in some articles that have been written about her, and I think that to be a to be a solid analyst, mm-hmm. which is different than being a reporter, like her role as a web reporter is different. Right. It overlaps, but it is different than 
than doing the analysis on broadcast. Um, and one of the parts where it overlaps is one of the things that I think is important, which is to have a knowledge of the team and a background, um, and to have knowledge of the background of the team and the players. Mm-hmm. And so she brought that to the booth day one right. based on her work as a web reporter because she's been the web reporter since 2016, 2016, mm-hmm. 17. So she's had a couple of years interviewing players and, you know, she's lived through every game and, and understood kind of the backstory for both the team and the players as a point of reference, which is important. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Two, you need to be able to break down a play when it happens to explain kind of what happened. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was a good pinch by the defenseman, or how did this two-on-one occur? Like, who made the mistake there? And it was clear early on that she was able to pinpoint that, whether that's due to, you know, growing up in a hockey right. family, her dad obviously, all-fame player, both her brothers, you know, played hockey. In fact, Jake still is playing. Right. In China in the KHL. And we had done a game, a couple of games actually, in Fort Myers, Estero, uh, for that prospect tournament right. in the summer or late summer of 2018, leading into training camp. And I typically have, have not done those, but that was uh, because it was close. They had me and Brian Engblom and Kaylee go down. Mm-hmm to do the two games the Lightning were playing, Lightning Prospects. And it was the first time I'd really worked with her in that capacity, and I was struck that she was able to break down plays. And it's not easy because, you know, you have three in the booth. Right. She's looking for an opportunity to kind of get her two cents in. So there's a little bit of a a tap dance there, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that is required when you have three in the booth. But she was able to do it. So kind of on the strength of her work there... Uh, when we had our, our preseason meeting for the eighteen nineteen season, and we had some preseason games coming, and obviously I was doing the preseason games on the road by myself, I floated the idea of having Kaylee do one of the games. Mm-hmm. That was what I suggested. But again, Bill Wickett kind of took the ball and ran with it and said, okay, not only are we going to have her do one, let's have her do all three preseason games. And on the strength of her work in the preseason, it then and then you know got yeah. extended into the regular mm-hmm. season and this year she did up until the point that she couldn't travel anymore every road game so the second part which is kind of looking at a play and breaking it down she had that that's awesome so she had the knowledge of the team and the players and she was able to break down plays the third part is the hardest part and it's probably the part in which like we talk a lot off air and I, I didn't hear her interview with you, but if, if she said that, you know, I've been a mentor to her, I, I don't know that I would use that word, but I'm, I'm helping her work through kind of this third part. And the third part is figuring out kind of in broad strokes which way the wind is blowing in a game. Mm. And sometimes the wind blows in both directions right. in, the, in the course of a game or in the course of a period and why it's happening. So... Like, if the Lightning are dominating a game and they're out shooting a team 40 to 17, it's pretty clear that the wind is blowing in one direction or in the other direction. <laughs> but most games are not like that. And even if the game is like that, well, why? Like, what are they doing to give themselves this huge advantage? What is the other team doing? 
or what are they not doing? Mm-hmm. But more common is they're like ebbs and flows within games. Yeah. And being able to kind of sense that, which is different than bringing out a play. Like a play is a moment in time. Mm-hmm. But this is more kind of like the the trajectory of a game. And that's not easy. No. It's not easy to kind of see and digest it and then like regurgitate it in a coherent fashion. And I think that's really the area where, and, and it, it is one of those things where the more you do it, the better you get at it. So the fact that she has had these reps mm-hmm. um, has really helped her. And I'm not saying that she started at zero. I'm just saying like, this is, this is a hard aspect of the job, which is why like when you see analysts around the NHL, a lot of them have spent their whole lives in hockey, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Players, you know, analysts, they've been doing it a long time. And it's almost like speaking a foreign language, mm-hmm. like they're just fluent in it. And I think that this is a work in progress for all of us. Like, you know, I do it too, where I'm thinking about like, and this kind of helps me with this extra shift column too. Like the fact that I'm writing this forces me to think about kind of the narrative within a game. And um, I think she's done a fantastic job in terms of kind of understanding how to express that. Because even if she instinctively knew what was happening, to be able to explain it, which is the role of an analyst, is really the challenge. And to do it in a succinct, coherent way takes practice and reps. And so I'm really happy that, you know, she's getting those reps and she's such a quick learner Mm -hmm. uh, and such an eager learner, too, that it's worked really well. Um, I think she's grown a lot, even just in the two years that she's been doing the games. But just to be clear, it's not like she was starting at zero, right? Yeah, no, like, she had she background. Was starting way ahead of the game. Right. Um, and has worked very, very hard at her craft. Well, it's been a joy to listen to, for sure. We are speaking with Dave Mishkin right now on Game Misconduct. Um, so let's talk to you about the huge trade uh, made last week for Blake Coleman with the Devils. Um, I was a little shocked when the news came through. Um, what does he bring to the team? And were you surprised by the trade at all? Honestly, I was surprised, but I, I never really had a sense of what the Lightning were going to do with anything. Well, and and I, last year, you know, they made the trade cuckoo for Ruda. I can't even remember if that was right at the deadline or a little before, but that was really the only the only move that they made and of course Ruda has turned into you know a steady member of their yeah. top six he's currently hurt but it's turned into a pretty good trade mm-hmm. for the lightning mm-hmm. so I didn't know what to expect and something that involves you know a pick and a prospect leaving the organization is not something that you can predict necessarily exactly having having said that you know Blake Coleman the word that I keep hearing about him which is being used by a lot of the people who covered him in New Jersey, but also kind of national um, writers who are aware. And Julian Breesbaugh and John Cooper use this word, too, is relentless. Like, he plays with a relentlessness that is very well suited to not only how the Lightning want to play, but also the way you need to play in the playoffs. So that relentlessness makes him very hard to play against. But that's not it. I mean, the guy has scored... 21 goals this year right. on a team that has struggled in the standings and is in the bottom third in offense with basically zero power play time. So that tells you that not only does he play with 
like a Yanni Gord type relentlessness, if that's a good comparison. But he is also, and like Yanni has scored 20 goals in a season twice, but he is also capable of producing offensively. So he can be used in a variety of different ways, whether you want to use him, you know, in a bottom six capacity or in a top six capacity. He's an excellent penalty killer, and he has scored some shorthanded goals this year. So that part of it, I think they really like. They really like a guy who, you know, the the term that I think uh, Julian used was he's like the energizer bunny. So you need players like that. He's a good player who gives you an honest effort every shift and will be really hard to play against and can contribute offensively and is a good penalty killer. (laughs) So you put all of that together and he's definitely going to be a very solid addition to what is already a very solid roster. The other part of this was that he has another year on the deal. So, and it's a very cap friendly deal. He's Mm -hmm. making $1.8 million in his current contract. So basically this year is is not going to be significant in the lightning up cap room right. to, to fit him this year mm-hmm. but next year as they face the lightning face a cap crunch with some key restricted free agents they need to sign to get mm-hmm. coleman in the mix at a very cap friendly number i think was an incentive and probably the last part was as much as you know the lightning have been hesitant to trade first round picks now they've traded players who have been first-round picks. I think Joe Smith had the, the note that now nine of the last 11 first-round picks for the Lightning have been dealt from the organization, but you're getting value in return. They have not often traded the first-round pick before they actually make the pick, but they have two first-round picks, presuming Vancouver makes the playoffs right. this year. Right. So they had another first-round pick in their back pocket, which probably helps soften the blow of giving up a first uh, mm-hmm. to get Coleman. So I don't know that going back to the beginning part of my answer, I don't know that you can predict a significant trade like this. So I think there's always a little bit of surprise mm-hmm. when you hear about it. And I think for a lot of lightning fans, the initial reaction was that this was a high price to pay mm-hmm. and you do tend to overpay at the trade deadline. But Julian Breesbaugh really coveted this player a player who can help the Lightning not only this year but next year, who will work in their big-picture cap situation, and they had the assets to give. Mm, yeah, they yeah. still have a first-round pick. And I think all of that added up to what the Lightning hope is going to be a really successful addition to their to their team not only this year but next year. Yeah, when I saw uh, it happen go down I saw a lot of people on social media saying like oh the lightning really gave up a lot and I just never thought it was giving I I feel like sometimes you're get you're getting a proven player where you know what you're getting you know what he brings to the table obviously there's a little bit already chemistry there he has with Pat Maroon uh who played with him in Jersey as well um but he's you know has a lot of experience uh seems by everything I read to be like a leader type of guy for uh, a young prospect who you really don't know. It's I hate saying it, but it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, you know, it can go it, it can go either the Sergeyev way, which worked out for the Lightning, or you know, it, it goes the, the other way. Um, you know that we hear unfortunately too many times. So I never thought it was that much either. And but I did for totally forget that they had two 
uh, draft picks in the first round this year, given Vancouver, which by all likelihood. Right. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back on Game Misconduct with more from our guest, Dave Mishkin. Stick around. It's Chicks with Sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You feel shame, you know. This is Game Misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. We are going to jump right back in with our guest, Dave Mishkin. Yeah, so I want to talk to you about um, Andre Vasilevsky, who's leading the league at the time that we're uh, talking to you again in wins um, because that's what he does Um, but what I want to know we all know how great he is Uh, he's fantastic probably will be a Vesna Trophy finalist again but where do you see where does he stack up in your mind against all-time lightning goalies that's a tough one (laughs) Um, I mean and he's got a long way to go still in his career so assuming that his trajectory stays where it is, I mean, he's going to finish with every goaltending record that exists. In fact, you know, he's already owning some of them yeah. um, along the way. Javi Bullen was a key, key piece to the Lightning's ascension from a team that continually missed the playoffs to a team that, you know, started making the playoffs and then winning the Stanley Cup. So his impact on both the 0203 team and the 0304 team were you know, the impact was was very significant and it's it's hard to kind of just cast that aside and say well he was only here for a couple of years because he was such a big part of the team winning the Stanley Cup which is to date their only Stanley Cup championship so you have to put him in the mix and kind of the similar thing with Ben Bishop I mean when the Lightning yeah. acquires mm-hmm. Ben Bishop first of all if you recall that trade Bishop for Corey Conacher, <laughs> and I think Eric Erlinson brought this up when they made the, the deal for, for Coleman that, you know, at the time of the trade, Lightning fans were upset. Yeah, yeah. Corey Conacher had had a really good rookie year with the Lightning, which was the lockout shortened year in the 12 13 season. And Bidden Bishop had not really established himself as a legit number one, right. you know, either in St. Louis or in Ottawa. And we know how that turned out. And the Lightning and so had Bishop who was. was a, Real quick, Dave, who yeah. was the – I was trying to think of this. Who was the Lightning goaltender when they traded for Bishop? Lynn – Lindback. Lindback, yeah. And, yeah. and the Lightning made a significant trade with Nashville to get Anders Lindback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he did not He did not evolve into the number one. Exactly. Yep. The Lightning hoped he would. Mm-hmm. But Ben Bishop did. And if we're going to track the trajectory of the Lightning from a team that, you know, was really poor defensively, good offense but poor defensively in the 11-12 and 12-13 seasons and a team that had missed the playoffs for, what is it, five out of six years and then started going on this run where they've made the playoffs every year but won in 16-17. They missed the playoffs by a point, so they were right there. And Bishop was gone at that point. But their ascension back into legitimate contender (laughs) – coincides with Ben Bishop's arrival. So we have to include Javi Bullen and Bishop in that conversation as well. But given Vasilevsky's resume so far and his age, I mean, he's 25, he'll turn 26 That's this crazy. year. Yeah. He's got, he's got such a long runway in front of him in terms of, you know, his body of work that we still don't know about. 
it's hard to imagine that anybody is going to, you know, compare with him in terms of the Lightning's history. Yeah. Which, again, you know, compared to the original six teams is is just a, a snapshot. I mean, it's, you know, it's very brief. The right. Lightning have not had the same volume of goaltenders come through their organization as some of these other franchises because their first year was, you know, in 1992-93. But right. certainly Vassie is, is well on his way to, you know, finishing up with with every goaltending record imaginable with Tampa Bay. So looking ahead on the schedule, I can't believe we're like in the final month and a half or so um, of the season because I feel like we just got started. Maybe not for you so much, but I feel (laughs) like we just got started. Um, What teams do you expect to give the Lightning uh, some fits or some trouble down, down the stretch here? If any. You know, it's funny about that, CP, because I was just thinking today about the lightning stretch run and they are in a much different spot than they were right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. They played the Panthers right before Christmas. They were in sixth place in the Atlantic division out of the playoff, um, out of a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. Now their points percentage was better than their standings position because they had games in hand, but games in hand are only helpful if you can, you know, accumulate points in those games in hand. I think at the time of that game, the Panthers had a three-point lead on the Lightning. So if they lose that game right before Christmas to the Panthers, they're down five points to Florida. Right. And, of course, starting with that game, they you know won 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're on another long winning streak as we speak. So they've put themselves in a much different position, and now they're right there with Boston for not only first place in the Atlantic Division – but also potentially trying to get the president's trophy. So what I was thinking about was the last two years, the Lightning have not really been in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. From the standpoint, they're not in the muck, right? They're not in that, like, top eight make the playoffs. They're not in that, like, six, seven, eight, nine, ten position where a little bit of winning streak will pull you up, but God forbid you lose three or four in a row – you know, now you're down. Mm-hmm. And the big difference between the 17-18 season and the 18-19 season was their playoff record. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, was there any difference between where they were in 17-18 down the stretch where their playoff position was secure? And last year where they were chasing the, the wins record, 62 wins, which they got, mm-hmm. but then got bounced out in the first round as we know and in retrospect they said we let some bad habits creep into our game we didn't have enough to we didn't have as much to play for let's say as Columbus which Mm -hmm. was you know battling every night just to get in the playoffs and that was a factor in that series that was that's coming from the players Mm -hmm. the coaches you know I'm not making that up so in 17-18 you know they they finished first but they finished first by one point over Boston right and if you look in their last 10 games in 17-18, they were just 5-4-1. and one. So it's hard to say that like they were playing their best hockey down the stretch, mm-hmm. but they went into the playoffs and, and they got through the first two rounds you know, in 10 games total. They mm-hmm. won their first two rounds 4-1 and 4-1 over yeah. the Devils and the Bruins. So I think it's hard. What I'm getting at is it's hard to predict. Like last year I remember hearing from fans, well, we don't want to play this team. And I'd rather see this team in the first round. And you just never know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you never know who you're going to get. Montreal played the Lightning pretty tough last year. I know the Lightning had great success against the Canadians. But if you were just to base it on 
who played the Lightning the toughest during the regular season of Columbus, Carolina, and Montreal, and if you recall, those were the three teams that potentially were going to be the Lightning's first-round opponent, you'd probably say, well, Montreal with Carey Price, and they played the Lightning tough. Maybe we don't want to see them. Right. They got Columbus, and look what happened. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the way I'd answer your question is, we just don't know. Like, we don't know which team is going to give the Lightning trouble. And I assume you're saying heading into the playoffs, not, you know, in game 71 or whatever. Yeah. And I, I think the right way to look at it then is don't worry so much about the record. Don't worry so much about where the Lightning are going to potentially finish. First things first, just make sure you don't go into a big slump and let's secure the playoff spot, which you need. Right. right. But more than that, let's focus on from the player's standpoint and the coach's standpoint, playing the right way, playing the way that will breed playoff success so that to the extent that bad habits did creep into their game toward the, the tail end of last year, and maybe the way they were playing was not as conducive necessarily to playoff success, although I'm not sure that I completely agree with that because it was basically the same team that had gone – seven and three in their previous 10 playoff Mm -hmm. series before the loss to Columbus. Mm -hmm. So nobody had any problem when they were winning seven out of 10 series, you know, in the previous years playing the way that they were playing. But I do think that they've had more of a commitment to team defense this year. I think that's evident. If you just watch them play how hard they're playing in front of their goalie, they're limiting scoring chances for the other team more efficiently And I think that that will help them heading into the playoffs and in the playoffs, presumably. So let's see if they can maintain that regardless of the results, regardless of whether they finish first, whether they finish second, wherever. Get in the playoffs and try and and focus on playing the right way and then let the chips fall where they may. But I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of even to get into this notion of who do you want to play, who don't you want to play, because you just never know. And, yes, matchups change. Like, the, what the matchup is can maybe be a little bit more beneficial for one team, maybe a little less beneficial for another team. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to play who you're going to play. And if you're playing well, it, it shouldn't matter, matter right? whether you're playing kind of a, a heavier team or a speedier team or a team with an elite goalie that, you know, is, is bailing out his team in front of him or a team that plays really well in front of an average, more average goalie, like, they're all good if they're getting in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So just focus on your own game and make sure you're taking care of your own business and then go for it in the playoffs and, and, you know, hope that the work that you've done during the regular season will, will bleed into the playoffs so that you are still playing at the top of your game. We are speaking with Dave Mishkin on game misconduct. Yeah, and kind of to touch on that, it was uh, we spoke with Diana Neros from the Tampa Bay Times, and it was a couple months ago. And you know, we were talking about how in October and November, like it, I wasn't really sure what team I was watching, but I think to what she said back then, and to what you just elaborated on there, was that they were trying to eliminate those bad habits from their game that maybe they let them creep in at the end of last season. And at the beginning of the season, they're like, okay, let's play p- better team defense let's clean up these little things and now we're seeing I feel like the fruits of their labor getting all that out of the way learning how to play the right way earlier in the season so now they're just cranking on all cylinders yeah you asked that question about Vasilevsky in the context of kind of the 
the big picture. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to look at Vassie's season from kind of a micro <laughs> viewpoint, he himself felt that he did not have a good start to the year. He even told Joe Smith at one point that, you know, I'm, I'm a way, way average goaltender. That was his quote. <laughs> and almost from the minute that he, he said that, he went on this incredible run mm-hmm. starting in late December. But my point is that the difference between Vasilevsky's body of work this year as opposed to last year, particularly as now he's kind of found his game, Mm -hmm. and I choose to believe that to the extent that his play dipped at the start of the year, that was a blip, Mm -hmm. and that was the exception rather than the rule. Because if you look at the body of his work over the course of his NHL career – he has been at a certain level, and that level has been exceptionally high. So when that level dips, are you going to say, well, that previous level was a fluke? Or is that what we can kind of rely on? He's going to get back there, and clearly he has gotten back to that high level. But the difference between his body of work this year as opposed to last year is that he is facing far fewer scoring chances against. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that, you know, if you want to say he was bailing out his teammates, I mean, all goalies are going to have to make key saves. All goalies are going to have to make routine saves because if you don't make a routine save, that can be incredibly deflating. That's a bad goal that you allow, mm-hmm. and you want to minimize those. And then you do want to pull a rabbit out of a hat when you can and, and make an incredible save on a prime scoring chance for the opposition. But you can kind of track how the Lightning are defending in front of him by the number of times that Vasilevsky has to make those oh-wow saves. Mm. And it's great that he can make them, but he's had to make fewer of those, not only over the course of the season, but even within a game. And the Lightning are making the game more manageable for both him and McElhinney. And you look at that 10-game winning streak that the Lightning had that started with that Florida game. I mean, they had some performances in that 10-game winning streak that were like A-plus Mm-hmm. defensive performances. And by defensive, I'm talking about forgetting the goalie for a second. Right. Like They just dominated Arizona mm-hmm. in that game at Amelie Arena in January. And Arizona had come in playing very well yeah. at that point. And the Lightning gave them nothing. Nothing. I mean, they had nothing going. Taylor Hall had one breakaway in that game, and that was it. So that was the one save that you know Vassie had to make. There were other games, too. Now, Detroit's a bad team mm-hmm. this year. But the Lightning absolutely suffocated the Red Wings in that game in late December at Amelie Arena. The game they played in Philly, not the one at Amelie Arena, but the game in Philly that the Lightning won one nothing mm-hmm. was an A-plus defensive performance. They absolutely shut down the Flyers. Yeah. The Flyers have some really talented offensive players to the point that Jake Voracek after the game said, this is a different team than the <laughs> one that we've seen in years past. So it's hard to maintain that, and it's hard to just be a machine and just keep churning out these games where you're basically making virtually no mistakes. And as the Lightning kind of got into more of a comfortable playoff position, I think that if you want to say they've exhaled, I'm not sure that's the right way to put it, that level hasn't quite been maintained. Mm -hmm. But even when it hasn't been maintained – They've still been really good, yeah. and they are working hard to limit those grade-A chances for the opposition, which is kind of going back full circle to what are they doing differently this year, maybe as opposed to last year or previous years. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest thing is 
they are making games more manageable for their goaltenders and not having to rely on their goaltending as much to give them key saves or put them in a position where they have to outscore their problems. Right. (laughs) They're not really in that position this year, and they're good enough offensively that if they do hold the other team to two or less, they're going to have an excellent chance to win. I think that's been a big part of their success uh, during this incredible stretch that they've been in. Well, Mr. Michigan, always so much to think about. Um, you kind of make me see the game in a different way, and it's fantastic. And we can't uh, we tell you how much we appreciate you spending some time with us this week. Um, and everybody can follow your your uh, your stories and, and anything that you have to say on Twitter at Dave Michigan. Uh, once again, thank you so much uh, for joining us. My pleasure, ladies. Thanks as always. Thanks again to our guest, Dave Mishkin, for joining us. Uh, We are going to take a quick break and come back with more on Game Misconduct. It's Chicks with Sticks. How dare you? Uh, I said sticks. You'll feel shame, you know. This is Game Misconduct with Dorian CT on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Game Misconduct. I'm CT here with Dory. Hello. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And we still haven't figured out Instagram, but we might do that, you know, hopefully by the end of the season. And But anyway. Yeah, and, and, uh, and probably never we'll figure out Snapchat. So that's probably never going to happen. No. No, I refuse snap. I don't get it. Refuse it. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I know. Maybe I'm just like showing my age. I just don't understand. My my daughter's a senior in high school and she's they don't even text people anymore, right? C T. They don't even text anymore. They, they don't? no, they snap. They snap each other. I don't get it. That's weird. It's I prefer texting. Yeah, me too. Anyway. Now that so anyway, now that that's um, out of the way. <laughs> So there will never be a game of conduct Snapchat in case anybody was wondering. So let's um, get to talking about the games uh, that happened in Vegas and in Arizona, which I went to and I'm never allowed to go on a road trip again. Yeah. Uh, although my record on other road trips had been pretty good until this one, but um I basically saw two stinkers, really, if you want to, you know, not, not, you know, I don't know what the word is. Um, uh, Two complete defensive breakdowns. Yeah. I think part of the reason that the Lightnings uh, were on that 11-game winning streak was because of the defense. They were playing just complete shutdown hockey. And uh, in Las Vegas, it was shaky. Um, you started seeing mm-hmm. it break down, and then in Arizona, it was just um, – it looked like a completely different team than the team we have been seeing since uh, the start of the year 2020. Yeah, and in Vegas, they were missing Braden Point, who had the flu. Um, and I think you really saw that. Um, and then he was back in Arizona – but them, um, and, and the team played really well for the first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. and then it just all fell apart, kind of like the Vegas game a little bit for mm-hmm. me. Like, I felt like I felt really good coming into that game, and, and the first couple minutes were good, and then it's just a complete and total breakdown. Um, 
you know, these are those ebb and flows of the seasons, as we've always talked about. Yep. And this just happens to be a down ebb. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. And they were undefeated unfortunately, against. Pacific was, teams. Yeah. And, and, and I, that's why it's, I kind of look at it and go, they were two bad losses. I think it was obvious what it was. Um, and they get back to not, you know, listen, it's a two, these are two point games, right? They're not a four point game. Like they're going against Boston or, uh, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, the Washington, Washington, any Eastern conference team right now that's in the top eight, not named the Tampa Bay lightning. Those are games you don't, you at, at this point cannot lose because you're not losing, um, you know, you're, you're technically, you win two points, but your opponent who you're chasing in the standings is not getting two points. So that's why Cooper calls them four point games. These were not, these were against, uh, you know, Pacific coast teams who or Pacific division teams, um, that we would not be seeing. I don't think either one of them again. Um, so I, no, it, I think that's it for the season. Yeah. So I would rather it happen. And those ebbs and flows and the valleys and the mountains, I'd rather those, um, uh, you know, defensive breakdown happen, now. Yeah, happen against these teams <laughs> than, than happening against Columbus or happening against, um, you know, the Islanders or, or those, you know, Boston's coming up. Um, I'd rather it happen now. Yeah. And, you know, Eric Turnack went off um, in the Arizona game. And yeah. so... Yeah. Um, you know, Shattenkirk had to play more minutes and, you know, Hedman had to play with, you know, a different pairing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll see Chernak back uh, and it's not too serious. But, you know, I really do think this team misses Ryan McDonough. Yeah. They were able to keep it together for a really long time, but eventually that's going to wear and tear. Mm-hmm. And so I really think this team misses Ryan McDonough and hopefully um, – he will be back soon. Now I want to get your and not rushed. Oh yeah, definitely no, no, no. Please don't. I, I, ooh, I have no problem with people taking their time to get a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent when you're at this point of the season, um, because as we found out last year, and we've said it a million times, it feels like what happens at the you know in the regular season ultimately doesn't matter ultimately the goal is not to win the president's cup it's not to win the division it's not to win the conference it, it's to win the conference but that's only to go on to the stanley cup final and if that means that we have to go another week or so or whatever it is i have no idea without ryan mcdonough or a little bit longer but it means we're getting a healthy ryan mcdonough without any setbacks then i'll take it right yeah, I mean, he really so. he really does mean a lot to this team. And my question that I was, I I kept thinking as I'm watching Arizona that I want to ask you is, did that was the feel you got watching Vasilevsky in those games? Did it feel like he was feeling a little, um, less confident than normal? Um, I don't know if it was less confident. I I feel like there were a lot of defensive breakdowns and it didn't help, you know, yeah. like he can stop a lot, but he can't stop everything. And, you know, I just felt like there were a lot of defensive breakdowns. I don't want to say that I felt like they hung him out to dry every once in a while, mm-hmm. but that they were just having defensive breakdowns. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, they could get through the middle. In, in, in Arizona, they, the, the Coyotes really took away the middle, the center of the ice, and pushed the Lightning to the, to the peripheral in the outsides. Mm-hmm. And when you can't get inside the center of the ice, you can't really get that puck on and score a whole lot. Right. Um, you know, there were a lot of odd man rushes and take away and take um, takeaways and turnovers in Vegas. There weren't as many in Arizona, but there were still quite a few and uncharacteristically quite a few for this team. Um, so I think it's just one of those things where it's a, it's a nice reality check. Yeah. It's a good gut check. Um, you know, and, and they'll climb out of it. Like, you know, like I said, ebbs and flows of the season. And if you listen to our first segment with Dave Michigan, we recorded that before. Um, that was recorded after the Colorado game. Mm-hmm. So we hadn't had those ebbs and flows yet. But skilled teams figure out ways to win. And this team is a skilled team. Yeah. So, and, and they do not want to repeat of what happened last year early in the playoffs. Right. So they're doing everything they can to kind of avoid that. And how can we work through these things to come out better on the other side? Yeah, especially with the teams coming up that we're going to play this week. Uh, the Maple Leaves, um, I, I, I don't want to say they're a crapshoot. I don't think that's exactly a fair, you know, statement to say. But, you know... I don't think this team is where I think they're, Oh gosh, how do I say this? I think the expectations in Toronto was extraordinarily high on this team. They're not, um, you know, completely out of it or, or in any sense of the word, but this is a team they have to beat. They have to beat the Maple Leafs. There's five games at home. Um, and I, they have to win. It'd be nice if they won all five. Uh, but reality, yeah. you know, but the reality is if they continue to have defensive showings as they did in the latter part of the road trip, it's not going to happen. But, you know, they, Toronto's coming into town. Chicago, who is not a very good hockey team, is coming into town. Um, Calgary and then Boston. And then we turn around and play Boston again. So those are the teams that I'm kind of eyeing right now. Um, you know, the Maple Leafs have to win. Um, the Blackhawks... And the, and the Flames, because the Western Conference, I don't think it's as um, must. Of course, every game's a must, but those two I don't think are as, um, I don't want to say desperate, but um, important wins, significant wins. And then, you know, Boston, uh, the following, and then Montreal comes in, and then they go to Boston. I mean, it's a really tough stretch coming up. So if they're going to have two really poor showings, I'll I'll take them against the Knights and the Coyotes. Yeah, um, agreed. And talking about um, you know the arenas, I'd already been to Vegas. It's still like medieval times meets a hockey game. They do a really great job with their in arena presentation. It's entertaining. The fans are nice to opposing fans, so that's always nice. They were super nice because they were beating us, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, they just do a really great job. Arizona was different. Um, I got a little bit of um, Florida Panther vibes. Oh, okay. There aren't, well, there aren't as many butts in the seats. Yeah. 
Um, you know, the Knights, everybody is engaged. They're still learning. A lot of them are still learning the game. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to see that and how they present the game in Vegas. But in Arizona, they know the game. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are there that are showing up for the games are super engaged. Yeah. And so it was really kind of cool to see. Um, and the weather has been beautiful in Arizona, so we got lucky. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so a couple things that we wanna, I want to talk about around the league before we go. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, with their loss on Saturday, have been eliminated from the playoffs already. And it's not, as, as, you know, it was way before the trade, well, not way before, before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. So Steve Eiserman has his hands, his uh, work cut out for him Ooh. in Detroit uh, with them already being eliminated. Um, also, Alexander Ovechkin, as you probably heard, scored his 700th goal. Yay, let's move on. <laughs> I'm so glad he scored it so I don't have to keep hearing about it. But it's a huge, it's a huge accomplishment, yeah. but I'm happy we can move on. And, uh, and then the story out of Carolina oh. where two goaltenders got hurt in a game and an emergency steps in. He's a Zamboni driver. Dave Ayers um, comes in in relief and gets the win. Like that is a movie waiting to happen. It was awesome and uh i just i i I just thought it was so cool yeah when i saw that story uh because it was all over of course i'm getting notifications left and right um that nhl twitter is having a meltdown and you know i see it involves a goalie and i'm uh, what is going on and to watch um you know the the, first of all it's a nifty story because he was actually a Mm -hmm. zamboni driver for he's a zamboni driver for the Marlies organization, which is the mm-hmm. minor league uh, team, I guess, affiliate for the Maple Leafs. So he actually yeah. wore, you know, a Panther, um, I'm sorry, a Carolina Hurricanes jersey, but his goalie mask has Toronto Maple Leafs stickers on it. Um, and, yeah. and to, you know, the, but that's apparently the way it works. An emergency goalie is an emergency goalie and they're ready to play for either team. Uh, he let the first two goals in, and one of his uh, one of the uh, Carolina um, players said to him, "Hey, shake it off and just have fun." And he said that was the turning point for him, and he stopped the next eight. So he gets the win, and um, I'm going to go ahead and retweet it from our. I don't like retweeting Carolina Hurricanes anything, but there's a really nice um, celebration that they they showed yes. of him coming into the locker room yes. and Rod Brindamore basically keeping it really short and sweet and just saying, you know, this is a moment, and thank you for the moment. That's awesome. Very cool. I have chills. I have chills. It could be a Disney movie tomorrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, all right. Well, Dory, anything else you want to add before nope, we go? Nope. Just uh, everybody just keep the faith. And this is a very good hockey team. And they're going to, I think they're going to bounce back very quickly. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Game Misconduct. You can follow us uh, in case you want to see that uh, celebration in Carolina. It's at Game Miz with a Z Conduct on Twitter and Facebook. And we will catch you next week.